Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Today, we are finishing James chapter 5. And uh, I feel like this has been a really good uh, time in our church. I've really enjoyed the conversations. Um, And what we've been doing, in case you're new or listening online, is we have been um, essentially reading it like they would have received it in the early days of the Christian church, where a letter would be written to a disciple or to a group of people who were Christians in various cities. And uh, an apostle would write a letter and he would send it. To them, and then they would get together much like this, and they would read it together, and then they would sort of begin to digest it um, as, you know, because they really looked up to the apostles as obviously like the leaders of their faith. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been taking it piece by piece and talking about it. And what we've seen in the book of James is that it really all ties together. Like even though there are various different topics, we're seeing that the book of James really calls back upon itself multiple times. And then on top of that, you can tell that these guys have spent time with Jesus because you hear how what they say harkens back to direct things that Jesus said today. So what we're going to do is we're going to finish today with James 5 and begin reading in verse 13. So if you guys have a Bible or a smartphone or a tablet with the Bible app on it, I encourage you to go ahead and pull that out. Uh, I'm reading from the CSB version, which is uh, the Christian Standard Bible. Um, but uh, you can read them whatever you'd like. And actually what we have is some, sometimes there are headings above them, uh, like the paragraphs where it's a little bit different, different translations will help us kind of unlock the passage. So um, James chapter 5 Verse 13, mine starts off by saying effective prayer. That's, the, that's the, uh, the heading that I have. Does anybody else have a different heading for theirs? What did you say it says effective prayer. I'm reading the same version. Mine says the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Okay. All right. Does yours have anything by chance? Any headings? Except Peter, so... <laughs> She's like, not in James yet. Yeah, very different. Okay. <laughs> so James 5, verses 13 is where we're going to start reading. He says, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are willing to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore... Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again and the sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. And then he closes his entire book letter here. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Amen. God, we thank you for your word and how you've spoken to us. We pray that you'll do the same again today. Open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to just uh, absorb and hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So James 5 verse 13, right? Very practical. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone, anyone cheerful? He should sing. So like, what, what are your, 
What are your first thoughts here? Like just after reading this, I've read this passage, I feel like a million times. It's a very common passage, you know, it's kind of instructing people to pray, particularly if you're sick. Um, does it, anybody have any kind of thing? What does it remind you of? Any thoughts or any comments or questions? Anything that pops in your head about, not even just verse, verse 13, but the whole passage? Anybody have anything to kick off with? First thing is, is actually a context. Hang on a second. It looks like Josh was about to speak. No mic for you, bud. Is the volume on the thing work? Oh, maybe the sound bar's not on. I think that might be my fault. Hang on. Try again. No. Oh, did is the audio on here say HDMI? Down under the audio there. Yeah. It does? So we had this problem last time where we weren't able to hear you talk. We use the microphone here, the built-in microphone. Yeah, let's try the built-in microphone for now. Sorry, Josh. Hang on. I mean, on a built-in, on in the built-in microphone? No, it's got to be built-in. Oh, uh, wait. Wait. Because you're selecting the input. Yeah, you're on the wrong one. You need a speaker. Okay, right. So that's where I'm trying to go back to that. And then for speaker, it said built-in. So this is going to be for speaker. It's muted, though. Try talking. Maybe it's muted, not setting it to we're muted. You need to unmute it, honey. Oh, there you, I hear you. Okay, go ahead. Yep. Chris, unmute you that button. You. There you go. All right, can you hear me now? Uh, yes, I can hear you. And we hear you too. Go ahead. That's a great point. I really appreciate you bringing that up because I, I think if, I mean, if I'm honest, I struggle with the same thing. Um, there are times where I pray for people, many times probably, where I have prayed for someone and it doesn't appear as though anything happens. So anybody else in the room ever pray for someone and they didn't get immediately better or better at all? Okay. So that's a great place to start, Josh. So why don't we start there? How... how like, so what does he say, right? So he's saying, so I think you're, you're particularly talking about verse uh, 14. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And then verse 15 is the key. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, which other passages says will heal him, will make him well, make him whole. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. So, and then even under, well, yeah. So, so how do we reconcile... The fact that we're told to tell people that we're sick and to pray for each other. And then when we pray for someone and it doesn't appear as though they are healed of whatever that is sickness, how do we reconcile that with what we are reading here? digestive issues 
Um, and I fully 100% believe that I was healed. Um, it was just this, I don't even know how to describe the, the feeling that came over my body. It was like a warmth that just like rushed through me. And then I was symptom free of my ulcerative colitis for 15 years. I had absolutely no issues with hmm. it. And then like gradually it it came back in the last, you know, year and a half and that was something that I had to wrestle with like, you know, I was angry at God and thinking, well, like I was healed of this and like why is it coming back now? And um, but I do fully believe that that I that I was healed hmm. because I had no symptoms and doctors couldn't explain it. But they said you were in a remission. They said that I was yeah. in a remission, but there was absolutely no signs of anything happening that they could see with having like a colonoscopy that they would see there's any damage to my intestines whatsoever. So, so here we have a personal example of, of what would be you know, an example of what appears to be a miracle, right? Like there is no explanation for something you were prayed for and you were healed um, in that respect. And then contrasting that with what Josh is saying, it's like, well, I don't know, I pray for people all the time or have tried or seen other people pray and it doesn't seem like anything happens. So what's the rub here? Like your point was, we don't know the inner workings of God in his mind and why things happen and they don't. And that's true, right? We know that the scripture teaches God is sovereign as well and he'll do what he will. But we have an instruction here, right? The prayer of, a, of faith will save the sick person. Or in other passages, I think it does say the prayer of, a, of faith will make, uh, heal that sick person or will uh, make them whole. Um, there are other passages of Scripture that do talk about it. It says, you know, to pray for the sick and they will be healed. Um, you know, uh, on the cross, right? It says, by his stripes we are healed. So we know that there is a command to be to do that. Jesus was praying for people or touch people and they'd be healed. We see in the book of Acts, the apostles would heal the sick. And yet today we, we struggle with that, which if I'm understanding, you know, Josh, that's kind of the crux of what you're saying. It's like, I don't, it's hard for me to reconcile what I'm seeing because my personal experience and even what I've witnessed does not seem to match up with what I see in scripture. So does anybody have any thoughts there? Like, I think for me, oh, place that my mind immediately goes to this with this frustration of like hey I prayed and nothing happened and God why aren't you healing and all, all this stuff there was a situation where where the disciples were trying to cast out a demon and it just would not leave mm. and they went up to Jesus and said what's what's the deal like and we did everything you told us to do yeah yeah and and you know presumably like these disciples had cast out other demons before and it's like hey we tried the method you know, over here and it worked over here, it worked over here, it worked like, what about this person? And, and, uh, and, you know, you know, Jesus famously says this kind of only comes out with, with prayer and fasting. Right. But one of the things we, we see that frustration with the disciples, we see that, that confusion and we see that the way they deal with it is they just, they go to Jesus. It's like, what's going on here, God? Hmm. Yeah. There's a couple things I'm thinking about. Is that just because you pray for something doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go away. Mm. Just because you also have, uh, who was it, Peter or Paul with a thorn in his side or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like it was placed there presumably for the rest of his life, right? And so 
Kudos one, you know. So, um, so just because that's there and you pray doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to grant you your every wish and desire. Sure. Two, the other side of it that I feel is also that I think it, it, it could definitely be miraculous healing what Carrie says, but I also think that it could also lead into more of a peace that defies understanding to where, as opposed to being... I was thinking that too. I was going to give another example, but I'll let you well, go. This is mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, and so like, so instead of praying for healing, your your mind shifts to now saying, "This is just what it is. I'm not going to let this specific circumstance um, control my entire existence." Hmm. And now I'm okay with it. And so therefore, you can move on in your life, almost from a sense of mental healing versus physical. Well, you know, I think these are all great points. I don't know that there's an answer. I don't think there is like an, I mean, that's the question I think everybody wants to ask Jesus is why didn't you heal my grandmother? Or why didn't, you know, why did I have to suffer with cancer or whatever, right? That's the question I think all of us are want to know. And everyone's like, well, that's probably the first thing I'm going to ask when I get there, right? Like how many times have I heard people say those kinds of things? And I don't know that there is an answer, but I also don't know that that's the point of this passage. I don't know that it's saying that like making a statement in that, in that, um, that it's a formula. I don't know that it's a prescription in the sense of like, I mean, clearly there's an instruction. Let's be clear that there is an instruction. If you are sick, you should come to the elders of the church and they will lay hands on you and pray for you. Right. But then I think, I don't think that it's saying like, and 100% of the time, every time you do it, this will happen. I don't think that's the intention. I think what it actually is talking about, it mentions faith a lot. Look what it says here. Right? It says, the prayer of faith will save the sick person. But it also says, if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. But then it says, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. So like, I think what it's doing is it's giving a prescription in a general sense. And, and then that's why the passages in other, other parts of Scripture says to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. In other words, that, like, that there's a wrestling that has to come with this. Like As much as we have in Scripture, we have the Word of God, which is delivered by God to people who wrote things in the best way that they could possibly write them down in their understanding of what God revealed to them. And now they're trying to explain something to people who 2,000 years later would read it with a very different mindset, a different understanding, right? And it's not to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't transcend all that, because of course the Holy Spirit does transcend 2,000 years or 5,000 years worth of civilization. But the words on the page, we can fall into the trap of believing or reading it and thinking that it means exactly what we think it does on face value, right? And I don't know that it's necessarily saying that 100% of the time, every time you pray for somebody, this person's going to get better, it could mean a lot of those things. It could mean that God gives you the peace and uh, that passes understanding, which is scripturally based. It could mean mental healing. It could be a contentment. It could mean uh, temporary healing. It could mean a healing and, or a remission. It could mean any number of things. But what it's talking about, I think anyway, is that it's talking about the kind of faith that we have. And I want to be very clear. I am not saying that if you're not healed, that, you're not, that you don't have faith. Because I've heard other people say that too, and that's not right. Because healing is provided in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. By his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. So that's where the power of healing comes from, is through, through, his, through, through Jesus Christ. But, um, 
But there is something here about faith that's talking about salvation, about forgiveness of sin. And it does bring healing into the mix, but I don't know that it's specifically talking about like the formula of I pray you get healed if I add faith like an ingredient. I think it's talking about who we are as a whole, which is what James is all about. Everything we've been doing for the last five chapters has been about who are we in Christ, right? Like, are we a person who's, who believes that God is who he says he is? And if God says that he can heal, do I pray to him believing that he can or that he wants to? And if he doesn't, that he's still God. Like, I think that's what it means to me. I don't know. Like, that's a lot to unpack. And I don't think I... I totally get what you're saying. Josh, do you have any other thoughts or remarks to that? Any responses? I, you know, I would love to hear just more what you think about it. Yeah, well, and I, again, I just want to applaud you for your honesty, Josh. That's, this is the kind of church that we, oh, are you still talking? Sorry. Oh, no, I just. Oh, hi, Elena.
No. I, uh, I think you make you bring up a really great point, Elena, that, you know, if, if you've if anyone has spent, you know, any lengthy period of time in Christianity, you've probably come across or at least been aware of sections of Christianity, people who maybe fall in line with that, where they would say, you know, we're going to just trust that God is going to heal. We don't need medicine or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, my my understanding is that is false. And I think out of kind of what you're saying, actually what I was thinking of before you even said it, I was thinking about medicine and I was thinking about... So I guess, Josh, I want to talk directly to you for just a second without putting you on the spot. What I'm trying to say is like, I think that coming from a perspective of somebody who was a former, who was an atheist or a former atheist or is struggling out of that agnostic, whatever you would say, there is a place in which faith in Christ become something that you cannot explain because it is supernatural. It is, you know, a faith oriented thing. Um, and so to understand some of the theology and the ways, the ways that Christians talk about things is based on, Elena mentioned Genesis 1-1, right? Genesis talks about the dominion of earth, you know, and, and how man was created to rule the earth. But we also know that sin came into the world and sin removed our ability to fully dom dominate it and to, to tame it and, and then brought with it the curse, which then brought disease, brought sickness, and brought things that have the power over us, which is really the story of the entire Bible, which is that God is introducing his reconciliation of all of those things back to what it was supposed to be ultimately in Jesus Christ, which will be fulfilled in his return, which is when all things are made new, right? So like, so, and I, and I, again, this is not, there is no answer. Like I could say, there is no answer that is satisfying to a human being today that will help you understand, oh, now I get it. The math formula works. Like it's just not going to happen. The answer though, scripturally, is that all things are made new through Jesus Christ, whether in this life or in eternity. And that sounds like a cop-out to somebody who, who has to have an answer. But that's, that's what Jesus professes. Like, he talks about the kingdom of God being both now and not yet. And so when we pray for someone to be healed, or when we talk about the kingdom of God is like this, or the kingdom of God is like that, we are living out all of these pieces in our daily basis, right? Which is why I can be a follower of Christ and I can see his blessing in my life. I can see the fruit of the transformation that he's put in my life as I live for him. And yet at the same time, I screw up. I make the same mistakes over and over again. I, I suffer by the fruit of sin as well. And yet I'm still called a child of God. Why? Because of the both and the not yet. Because I'm promised that as I pray for the sick, and they aren't healed, and I get frustrated. I know that if that person knows Jesus, that one day their cancer will be gone, regardless if it's in their physical body or in the spirit world. But for somebody who doesn't, but for someone who struggles with the spiritual aspect of it, I get how that answer is unsatisfying because, because you can't wrap your head around something in the physical. And I totally get that. And that's why I'm trying to say, like, I want to explain as much as possible and discuss it as much as possible but there has to be a space for all of us. This is not just Josh. For all of us to get to a point to where we say, 
I don't understand, but the prayer of faith, that's what it's talking about, the prayer of faith. I believe it, even though I don't understand it. I, don't, I can't make it happen. It might not happen, and if it doesn't, I trust that God is who he says he is. I'm still going to trust God. Like, I think that's what it's saying. There's not an answer, man. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody else have thoughts? This is really good. <laughs> I wanted to ask you uh, a question, Josh. Uh, I, I, I want to kind of really identify where you're coming from. Is the issue that you question whether, there, whether there's any healing, miraculous healing, ever? Does it ever happen? Or is it more of the issue of, like, we see it sometimes, we see it not every time, and why, why is it sometimes there, sometimes not? Um, Do you understand the question? Say what's on your heart, man. This is a safe place. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> You know, if I could say something else, too, is um, you're not the first person, nor will you ever be the last to have these questions. And if I could be honest myself, Heather, you and I were just having a conversation two weeks ago. And this is might freak some of you guys out. I think I've said this before. You know, uh, Heather and I were sitting out back and I was just sitting there talking to her. And I said, you know, 
because I was talking about a friend who I had a very candid conversation with as a pastor. Like it wasn't me struggling in the moment, but it was me reminiscing on how I had a very honest conversation with someone who was struggling and I was identifying with him. You know, he, he comes out of a similar space. He's very educational, very intellectual. He's studying to be in medicine, right? So he, he's, you know, very much fact, science oriented. And we went out to coffee and he was just saying, Jared, I just can't get my brain to like believe in, in these supernatural things like that, like, you know, like healings, miracles, whatever. And, you know, or even just the concept of God, like it just seems like a fairy tale sometimes and like all these things. And I told him and I told my wife a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, and I, in reminiscent of talking to this guy. And when I was talking to him, I said, I said, I get it. I feel that way. Some days I preach in a way where I like are passionate about what God's word says. And then other times I'm laying in bed at night and I'm like, did I just make all that up? Like, and that sounds nuts to hear your pastor say something like that. But I think it's human to understand, like to ask the question of like, like I don't see God standing in the room, you know? And to your point, if someone is not feeling well and I lay my hand on their shoulder and I pray for them in Jesus' name, they may or may not get better, probably the latter of them not, right? Because that's been our experience. And so all of that combines into a place of where I think it's natural for people to wonder like, am I crazy? Because it seems so much easier for people who are not Christians to just go about their life believing that science is the answer to everything and that it seems simpler for them. Like, it does. Something happened to TV. No, okay. Um, Even John the Baptist said, are you really the Messiah, Jesus? Yep. And so, and then there was, there was Thomas, too. Like, Thomas, you know, they call him Doubting Thomas, which I think is unfair. Like, I get it that he's, but he's like labeled by the fact that he had to see Jesus in the flesh, you know? What I love is that Jesus met him there. Like, he was like, I am not going to believe that this guy who we followed around for three years is dead and now he's alive. Like, whatever. I'm not going to believe that until I see it. And then Jesus shows up and then, you know, shows him all that. And Jesus doesn't, like, get mad at him for it. Like, he doesn't, like, he, 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 he just does what he needs. And so, I think this is part of what it means to, to be a Christian. And honestly, I think how you grow in your faith. And this is not just to Josh. This is to all of us. Whether it's supernatural healing or whether it's the grace of God, you know, being applied to my sin and shame. Whether it's um, any number of tenets that you see in the Bible that someone struggles with. Because we all deal with different things. And there's going to be a day where you come across an aspect of your faith that will challenge you in a way where you're like, is that real? Or I don't know that I can believe that, or that doesn't seem right, or I can't, I just can't get there. Wrestling with that is how we grow in our faith. And I can't tell you, I would love to sit here and say that now 15, 20 years into my faith in Christ, that I would never again wonder if Jesus is real. I would love to tell you that, but I'm not. And I don't think that's the point of this passage. The point is the faith that faith of a mustard seed, Jesus says, a faith of a mustard seed, the smallest little speck of faith is enough to keep walking down the path. That's encouraging to me. And some days you might go through seasons where you're like, I just can't bring myself to think about it. So I'm not. And then maybe down the road, it comes back up and you say, maybe I'll try and pray for someone because they're sick. 
and just trust in God? I don't know. There, I don't, there is no answer. This reminds me of um, people who have people, like members of their family who struggle with addiction, and you hear these stories of mothers who pray for their children for decades yeah. for them to have their addiction broken. And they, it, it may or may not, their prayers may or may not be answered, but you see that they're doing everything in their power through Jesus to just continue to pray for them to keep their, you know, their husbands safe or their estranged husbands safe, their children safe. And, um, kind of where I'm seeing a connection with that, where I'm sure along the way, people in that situation do struggle in their in their faith, saying, yep. like, I'm praying for you for all this time, and God still hasn't answered my prayers. Um, I think that's why it's called a mystery. Right. I mean, it, it literally says that. This is a mystery. And I know it's specifically talking about salvation, and but I think the whole thing is, it, it's it's... Who knows the mind of God, Like, right? Like, if God is who he really says he is, if he really is, how could we possibly understand? And that sounds like such a cop-out. It sounds like a cop-out to someone who's like, but if, like, I need to understand. Like, I totally get it because I struggle with that all the time. Like, faith, but then faith feels like a cop-out. Like, and this is where the rubber meets the road. Like, Again, it might not be healing. It might not be I prayed for this person and they didn't get well. It could be any number of other areas in our faith that we're like, God, you didn't act the way that I thought you would. Why? And, you know, like, we see that. uh, Somebody mentioned, I think, Chris, you mentioned it with, with Paul, the Apostle Paul. Like, he's like, I've got this thorn in my side, right? You could read it a couple different ways. You could read it like, that like, well, that's a cop-out, Paul, because Paul says, well, I asked God why he wouldn't remove it, and God just said, my grace is enough for you. Like, Paul, you could read it and give like, that doesn't, doesn't help me. You didn't give my answer, because you want God to do what you want him to do, not be God. It also gives you, you know, as a person of faith, the ability to share your experience with other people share your testimony like um, Chris and I going through infertility and how we tried for so long on our own and then with you know just with the help of of a fertility doctor um, and you know I'm sure along the way everybody thought that I was nuts um, <laughs> for hearing God clearly tell me your family's not done and I held on to that yeah. For all that time, and everyone was like, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Not to my face, but I'm sure people did think, maybe you heard wrong, maybe you heard wrong. But here we are now with two children, and it was painful, you know, to go through that for that long. Yep. But, but like, no one could... No one can tell you whether you did or didn't hear from God. Like, no one could tell Paul the same thing. He's like, God told me my grace is enough for you. And people could be like, whatever, Paul. Like, 
you know, like you're just not a good enough Christian. Like they could have. Right? <laughs> able to have Eleanor, you know, we still would have, you know, come out of it on, on the other side and been able to make that connection with someone who is going through the same thing and share, share in their, in their heartache and right. just be able to help them and support them. That's actually a really good point is that and I kind of said it, but in a different angle, it's like we want God to do what we want him to do, which this is a great segue into next week because teach us to pray is the Lord's prayer. And there are segments in it really in the beginning, like your will be done, right? Like that's an aspect of prayer is like we tend to we tend to get mad at God or question God when we don't get the thing that we're praying for or the ask action that we want that seems completely reasonable. God, why would you not make the coronavirus go away immediately? Like, that seems reasonable. Any reasonable person would just, would just like, couldn't God have just stopped a million people from dying? Like, yes, of course he would. But like... Because he sees things that you don't see. Well, he does. He sees things you don't see, but... Uh, as a kid, I mean, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to put Lincoln on the spot. If you have something to say, please do. But like as a kid, and I remember as a kid, you want things from your parents. You ask for things and your parents say no. And you don't understand it. And you think it's stupid. You think it's silly and, re- and unreasonable. But there's a perspective that the parents have that just sees differently than the kid does. Like, so from the kid's perspective, like he's like, I'm so frustrated with you and this seems completely reasonable and all of those things. And there's no amount of explaining that I could give to my kids when they didn't get the thing that they wanted. I've tried it. I've tried a million different ways to say, well, it's really because of this or this thing or that thing. And whether it's a developmental thing, whether it's an emotional thing, whether it's a trust thing, there's no amount of explaining. And yet... God might be doing something over here that I can't see or God very might well allow, and this is another piece, God very well might, might allow you to be in a moment, in a space or a season or a lifetime of suffering so that he could use you to do something else, which we don't like to talk about that, but that's all over the New Testament. Like suffering for the sake of Jesus, like, like, like consider it, we started James 1, with this exact thing. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, right? Because it produces endurance. And then we see all over scripture that God uses what his people are in much of it, his suffering. Most of these apostles, by the way, were crucified and killed and martyred, you know, and we're still reading their stuff because it launched an entire movement. So, man, like it's heavy. This is heavy stuff. And nobody wants to go the possibility of like, I've got cancer and it might not get healed and I might die from it. Nobody wants to go, what could God do through me during this time while I have cancer, while I've lost all my hair, while I'm weak, while I'm frail, while I'm like throwing up every day from the chemo treatments. Like nobody wants to think of it like, God, if you want me to continue having cancer so that I can be a joy to other people and they can see you working in me. Nobody thinks like that. And yet that's how we're commanded to be. That's the other part of it that, that like, I feel like we don't 
talk about like, why God aren't you healing me? Well, God might say to us, because I want other people to see my light shining through you in your suffering, to see that, that it's suffering is not it. It's not the only thing. Yeah, speak up. Yeah, okay. Well, if you think of something. Oh, yeah, but God doesn't snap his fingers and fix everything. But like Joe was saying, he sees things that we don't see. But kids are complicated, too. So like they'll be like, why can't I get this thing? And they'll be like, well, we can't get it right now. We don't have enough money. But they'll be like, but why? Right. Like kids can understand it, but they don't want to because they want what they want. And I don't think that you're any different than adults because we want what we want when we want it too. And yeah. same thing, man. Yeah, but you can, but like you can just be like, if somebody says, no, we can't give that to you right now, you just walk away and be like, okay, that's fine. But kids will be like, they'll make a mm-hmm. little tantrum. So everything like, I want that, I want that, I want that. We are called the children of God, are we not? <laughs> but like, like you're saying before, coronavirus, um, he can just snap his finger and be like, oh, don't save every single person. Right. But like sometimes, the Bible seems like a fairy tale, like you were saying. Hmm. Like, he can snap his fingers and let a person come back to life. But why can't he do that right now? He can just let all the people that died to corona just come right back up. Get rid of cancer for good. Like, why can't he just do that? And I think that's the question that we're all asking. I mean, that's, 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 that's exactly the thing, because there isn't an answer to that. Part of the answer that we know from the Bible is that because sin exists in the world, there are consequences for choices that we make as people. And it, I'm not saying that like that person who got sick from coronavirus died, that they did something wrong to deserve it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the collective understanding that the choices that we have all made as people, all the way back to what the Bible teaches in the Garden of Eden, brought all this stuff in the world. And sometimes what I do affects not just me, but you, or you, or you, or you, you know, like if I, I mean, I think we all get the idea, like there are situations that happen where that I do something and it hurts other people, either physically or emotionally or whatever, and that's the world that we live in. Like what kind of a God, what kind of justice would it be if God said that there is a consequence for this action and then he turned around and just wiped it clean without there being a consequence there? Like he can't do that every time. And this is a much deeper discussion, and I get it. And I would love to have a conversation with you about this. But, but why, why can't he just get rid of COVID? Like, why, why is it just here? But how is that a consequence? What did we do to cause corona? Like, people eat bats and stuff like that, but I mean... <laughs> but I mean, why? Well, it's, I don't think it's one thing. I don't think it's like that, again, like, oh, you did these three things and therefore disease. Like, and God didn't bring the disease. It's a part of the world we live in. He literally told the ocean to stop being all crazy. Right. Why can't he just do that to Corona and be like, pause, snap your fingers, get rid of 2020, (laughs) 2021. I don't have an answer for you other than if not Corona, why not the fires in California? If not the fires in California, why not cancer? If not cancer, why not war? Why not? I mean... Again, like the world is spinning and things are happening and God intervenes sometimes and doesn't others and we don't know why. And that's, 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 that's what faith is. Like, it's hard. It's hard. You have something to say? Yes, I do. Please do. So, 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 so we're kind of dancing around the question of, God, why don't you bring the fullness of the kingdom yeah. now? Yeah. Like, 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 like 
Corona is just one example of that. The fires in California is just one example of that. But it's the... It's years and years of all sorts of examples. But, but the ultimate of this, the ultimate, uh, we're, we're dancing around, why don't you just bring the kingdom here right now, get it done and over with. Right. And the answer is that if he did that, not everyone would be saved who still has a chance to come to Jesus. That's an interesting question, too, because mathematically there will always be more people at the exact time. Yeah, but, but like, you know, the wheat and the, the tares, it's not time. Yeah, the answer is it's not time yet. <laughs> yeah. But I, I also want to, to give a, a quick response to Josh. So I, too, came from an atheistic background. And one of the things that God did for me personally uh, to, to help resolve this mir miracle thing is that about a year after coming to faith, God did give me a dream which accurately predicted an event in the future that, that I walked through. So I, I did personally have that experience. And what that did for me is I said, whoa, since I had that dream and then this event happened, you know, there's no way atheism can be true. Now, that's what he did for me. I've got no clue what he's got planned for you, but I just wanted to offer this up as, as this is how God dealt with me as a former atheist. Does anybody have any other thoughts before uh, we, we kind of close out? You, Josh. I just said thanks. I appreciate that. Does anybody else have any other thoughts? You know, I have a final thought, but anything else they want to add? This has been a really good discussion today. It sure is. Another thing, if we want to treat it as a formula of pray and then it'll be healed, there's a critical element to this formula, confession of sins. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I think I just want to kind of tie it all in a bow here. And this, like, this was a really, really good conversation today. I actually went in a direction that I different direction than I thought it would and um, which is fine because that's what I love about this environment is it gives us the ability to really talk about what is on the minds of the people in the room and what, how God is working and I see you know God working in that way you know I would challenge you know everyone to I think that's the essence I guess I've said it already like I think the essence of this passage is it's talking about the person of faith like how do we behave how do we act which is what James is all about James, from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through 5, you know, through the book, chapter 5, is all about who are we and how do we act, right? Like, what are our allegiances? Are we people that believe that God is who he says he is? Are we people who believe that by acting and living the way that he's called us to live, that, that, that the way that life will go, the way he says it will, will happen that way? Or are we people who look in the world and follow its patterns and think that we'll be the exception to the rule? Like, that's what James is all about. And when we read this passage, it calls into question things that we just can't understand or that we can't wrap our head around or we don't have answers for. And that causes a lot of wrestling and a lot of frustration. And so what I would say is what has helped me, and this is, I want desperately for everyone in the room, particularly like a Josh or a Lincoln, to be able to give you an answer and say, this is it. Go read this book and you will have everything you want to know and you'll never have questions again. I wish I could because let me know that book and I'll read it myself. The best thing that I can say is what has helped and what has helped me move down the road. And it's what, what Joe just said. It's 
Let me tell you a story. It's what Carrie said. Let me tell you a story of what happened to me. Let me tell you a time that I saw this thing happen that I can't explain, but I believe was God healing someone. Like, that's the power of what we're doing here right now is we are encouraging each other. That's what you see in all throughout the, the New Testament, particularly is the believers spent so much time together. They were always with each other. They were reading these letters. They were, you know, having dinner at each other's houses. They were doing these things. And then they were talking about their faith. Like, oh my gosh, today I was at work and this thing happened and I did this and God showed up in that way. And then that encourages this person and then they go and try it or those types of things. We cannot become who God wants us to be in isolation. And the and if we're struggling with something, ask other people about it, which is what you did. This is what we've been doing today. And again, the trap is, is that we feel like that if I ask the question, I'll get my answer and then I can move on. But the reality is, is it probably just opens up a path that's going to be a journey for you for a very long time. That's been my experience. Yes, Mike. Um, so when I was 15 years old, my mother died. I saw her, she dropped dead and... Um, you know, it changed my life. My mom was my, my God. My mom was my God because whatever I went through, it didn't compare to her passing away. Yeah. So for years, I'm like, hmm, I don't care. My mama died first, so nothing can hurt me as bad as that. It took me years to realize that it was God by my side the whole time, going through everything, too, with me. And through my happiness and my pain, through everything. So it, it was a while because I used to pray to my mom, I felt like. Hmm. You know, I'm praying like mama, mama this, mama that, you know, whatever, whatever. But um, it was hard because I've never dealt with that. You know, that was the hardest thing I've dealt with in my life. So it took me to college, like 25 years old, I think. And my, gr- my girlfriend at the time was like, you can't pray to your mom. I'm thinking like, I got to visit, you know. Well, you know, what you mean? <laughs> 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 and um, it's just that it, um, I realized that you know, no matter what I'm going through, God's with me. If I'm happy, I'm sad. If I'm, if I'm sick, He's by my side through everything. So that's how I see, you know, whatever. If I don't, you know, get through something, or if, I, if I don't, if I do, customers are, you know, sometimes. But I'm like, God got me. That's how I feel. God got me. That's how I live life. It's good. And so I think that's my encouragement for all of us is not just in this particular passage, but in our faith, like what we're doing every Sunday, you know. And in between the Sundays, in between our, you know, midweek things, whatever we're doing with each other, you know, let's talk about our faith with each other. Let's ask those questions. If we're struggling with things, you know, let's be honest with each other. You know, that's why I lead the way that I do. It might freak some people out to hear their pastor wonder if, you know, if like God is real. Like, I get it. I grew up in church where if a pastor ever said that aloud, out loud, he'd probably be fired. I just believe that, like, this faith that we're living, this, this, this journey that we're on individually and collectively, is, is, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, you know, does the marathon runner, while he's running, ever wonder if he's going to make it to the end? Like, you know, like, perhaps he's like, I should give up. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a runner, so I can't say that. But I would. I certainly would. Probably like a half a mile in, but, but like you don't, you don't blame that person for having that question while they're running because they're still going, you know? So let's just 
encourage each other. Let's be willing to ask these questions. This is a safe place to ask these questions. And I don't want our conversations to ever be, we have an answer and you're wrong. I want it to be like, that's a great question. And I, uh, help me understand, which I thought was awesome from you, Joe. Like, help me understand what it is you're saying. And even if somebody disagrees, we say, I hear what you're saying. Here's my perspective. How what do you think about that? You know, like, I think that's how we all grow. And I want to encourage everybody with that today. And I think this is a really great conversation. And something that I'm sure will come up again. So can I uh, close us out in prayer for this and then we'll just pray for each other here in just a moment? All right. God, your word uh, is complicated, as Lincoln says. It is true. It is complicated. There is a lot in it that we don't understand. There's a lot in it that is very hopeful. And yet sometimes it doesn't seem like when we apply it to our lives that it does the things that it's that it says or it doesn't perceive that way. It's hard to... Um, to read things in scripture that seem so clearly like an instruction. And then when we do them, it doesn't seem to pan out the way that we think that it would or that scripture seems to teach. And so, God, we just open ourselves before you. We lay ourselves bare before you and say, we're honest with that. It's hard, God. I don't understand why when I pray for people, they don't get better. Why would you do that? Why are you not just snapping your fingers and, you know, fixing things? I think you should ask Job the same question. And uh, I, I don't know. And so God, but and yet we are people of faith. I believe that you're good. I have experienced your goodness. I believe you are good. And even if I'm doing, going through something bad, I don't believe that you're bad. I believe you are still good and I just don't see the right perspective. God, I pray you give each of us that faith. Enough faith for today. The measure of faith that we need for today God, I pray that you would speak to us um, privately, that when we're alone, that you would do even more work in our hearts about who you are. I pray for a, uh, an experience with you. God, I pray that, that there would be something for each of us that, that would, we'd be able to cling to beyond a shadow of doubt that you are real. And when I look back at my life, there are a handful of those that I cannot shake I pray that for each person in this room today, that either they've had it already and they've forgotten, you would remind them of it, or that you would bring a moment along for each person today, that they would have something to be able to hold on to, that, would, that mustard seed that would just give them enough to move forward and keep walking. I thank you for this discussion. I thank you for what you're doing. We trust you. Um, we thank you for every person here. Guide us as we go from this place. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.